You're listening to a podcast by Oak Magazine. I would like to acknowledge the Dja Wurrung people as the traditional owners of the land on which this episode was recorded. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome to A Friend of Mine, a series of conversations with some incredible and inspiring women in business from regional and rural Australia. I'm Kimberly Finesse your host and the founder and editor of Oak Magazine. And I cannot wait to introduce you to some amazing female entrepreneurs who will share with you their experience and knowledge of what it takes to start, grow and scale a successful business. So let me introduce you to a friend of mine. A desire for a change in pace and a lifelong love of her grandmother's cooking led burnt-out Melbourne PR executive Greta Donaldson to a new life and a new business, Bendigo Brittle. Greta was inspired to establish the business after whipping up a batch of peanut brittle for a family Christmas gathering. The brittle was a huge hit and she began to consider options for sale. Bendigo Brittle has now established a strong following as Greta and her small team offer her sweet treats from an uber cool confectionery cart at markets around Victoria, as well as being in talks with supplying her brittle to a national airline. Greta shares with us the fast paced life of PR, how she knocks the socks off potential stockists, why she waited to launch a website, the importance of networking and how her world ground to a halt after losing her little sister Peter to ovarian cancer. Greta also shares with us an exclusive announcement in regards to a new Bendigo Brittle product. Meet my friend Greta from Bendigo Brittle. Hello Greta and welcome to the podcast. Hi Kimberly, how are you going? I'm good. Welcome to the van. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. I can't believe it. It's amazing. I thought when you first said about an interview in a van, I didn't really have much in mind, but um, walking in, it's very glamorous. It's really, it suits you. Oh, it's, thank it's you. very much, yeah. And it's just nice to, to roll up. Um, we're in Bendigo. It is a wet day outside. We've just got the pitter-patter of the rain on the van roof and... Warm and cosy inside. It is. It's yeah, lovely. It's it like is. being in someone's lounge room. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, well, hello, fellow award winner. Yes, Yes. Thank you. Congratulations yes. on being the Regional Women's Business Award winner. Uh, and that's part of B Bendigo and the Bendigo Bank Business Excellence Awards uh, earlier this year. Thank you. It was huge. It, it was, was huge. Yeah. I went hoping to win. I didn't expect to win. But it was awesome when I did. It was great. I really, yeah, it's been um, a really interesting experience. I'd never applied for anything like this in the past. I've never done it. It was the first time I sat down and put an application together for anything. So I thought it was time. And my main motivation was to give back. I was I was ready. Um, I've spent a lot of years working um, and doing what I do. And I felt like I could perhaps help mentor some women and just help, um, yeah, just put some hours aside each week. So in my mind, in putting that application and putting it all together and submitting it, I'd sort of had... Um, made the decision that if I did get through the process and if, and if I didn't end up winning it, I was prepared to put some hours aside each week and give back to the community and in particular to women that were starting up businesses or working in business. So that's been fantastic. And I find myself talking a lot to women in business about business. So it's really good. Which is a good thing because that means that we're all hearing each other's stories more. We feel less alone. It's just sometimes that little bit of validation when you hear someone say, oh, actually, I'm struggling with this or this is how I got to you know, point A and you think, oh, maybe I am doing it right because, you know, there's no manual. There is no textbook and I find that all the time. It's so hard. Every day is just trying to problem solve and research and think through things and I myself spend a lot of hours going, oh, I just wish somebody could tell me or somebody could help me with that. Like, who do I need to talk to? Who would know that? And I do find that a lot in what I'm doing with the brittle business and just trying to grow it because I'm stepping into areas that nobody else has stepped into. So in that way, I'm sort of forging my own little uh, trail. Um, but there's no one there to help you and answer your questions. <laughs> so you find yourself going, ah. Oh, who do I ask? And so if I can be that person for others, I'm more than willing. So that's what the award has given me the confidence to be able to say, yeah, if you've got a question, I'm happy to answer that for you and help you out. 
Lovely. We might talk about the award a little bit more uh, later in the podcast, but I think we need to go back to the start. Um, you know, tell us about the journey of starting your your Bendigo Brittle business because you've actually come from a PR background. Hilarious. <laughs> PR My to friends peanuts? from yeah, PR to peanuts. <laughs> that's the joke amongst everyone. Um, uh, yeah, well, look, it was just I was in Melbourne. Um, We'd, I'd gone through, I mean, my, my background is PR, so I'd been down to Warrnambool and to Deakin Uni, got my degree, took off to Sydney in the heydays, in the early days, and had a fabulous start with some really great PR agencies up in Sydney. So Marguerite Julian, and it was the Locke Partnership, and of course, Simon Locke started Australian, uh, it was Mercedes Australian Fashion Week, I think, back then. So he started Fashion Week. So I was in amongst a really progressive group of people, um, and I was junior burger, like I was fresh-faced. Can you imagine me rocking up from Warnable, Deakin Uni, <laughs> to the bright lights of Sydney? Like it was just... Like a country mouse in the I city. was, but I took it on. I bloody loved it. I really did. I was in Darlinghurst in around Sydney there in Palmer Street, coming and going from work from Coogee on the bus every day. Didn't have my licence. And then eventually, I did have my licence, but I didn't have a car. And then my boss used to throw the keys to me when she was drunk and say, drive me home to Paddington. I was like, oh my God, Okay. So it was a bit different from driving country roads from here to Warrnambool and back. Been to go to Warrnambool for uni. I was then driving in the, you know, all the key streets in around Crown Street and stuff in Sydney. So, yeah, but that's me. Like, I don't mind. I take that sort of stuff on. So I was dropped in it, sink or swim, and I just started swimming. So PR was a great, it was, it's been a great foundation for me in life, just generally. Great people, progressive people, forward thinking people. I mean, there was a few tickets along the way, but generally, you know, really, um, and, and marketing to people that are creative. So even though I don't think of myself as creative, I'm no good at drawing or I can't sew or I can't knit. I, I'm not creative like that. But I do have little thought bubbles and I just um, obviously attract, I'm attracted to those sort of people that are um, creative. So um, Sydney was great, PR, a couple of years up there. Um, then I, I had my sister diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Pete was diagnosed, Peter, um, at 23. So I was 25. Oh so that was, that's played a, I mean, I don't talk about it much, but here I am talking to you about it on a podcast. But Pete was my younger sister. She was just um, a stunning girl, just glorious. And there's a lot of people connected to her here in Bendigo. So the memories are around me all the time. But um, Pete, yeah, diagnosed at 23, dead at 24 from ovarian cancer. So that was, yeah, too young. Um, impacted the family, brought us all together, um, which is one thing that came out of her death. Um, Mum and Dad had been divorced for a couple of years and had brought all of us together, whereas there'd been a hostile divorce, so it wasn't much fun there for a little bit. So that was, you know, the positive thing out of Pete's death that we all got on with life and we all realised the fragility of life and how quickly it could be over. She was 23. She was dead in six months from ovarian cancer. Just unheard of. But anyway, at 25, that grounded me. That brought me back to Melbourne. I continued the PR work, but my heart wasn't in it. Um, so my sister Mia took off travelling around the world. So she went first, um, bravely, on her own and met up with some lovely people and travelled all through Europe. And then I took off and I think six months later followed her. So And then my girlfriends. I had different mates that I travelled with. So I went for five years. I went – so the wanderlust of just um, – needing to be away from the grief and pro the process of grief. Poor old mum, we all left her behind to process it. But she got on with things, as did Dad and his wife Anne and the rest of my family. We all sort of put one foot in front of the other, uh, as you do, like, people listening will know what that's all about. And, you know, everyone says time heals, but it never does. Like, here I am 27 years later, still upset by it. Yeah. Um, but um, it drives me. I miss her every day. I think about her. I just wonder what Bendigo Brittle would be with Pete in the world. Um, it would be pretty dynamic, I imagine. So that drives me and motivates me as well. The fact that I haven't got somebody walking beside me, but I know she's with me. So um, that was travelling. And then when I got back, I worked for Channel 7 for quite a few years. So uh, that was a challenge. Um, Channel 7 at the time wasn't doing so well in the ratings against Nine. So that's where I got the sort of publicity, a different side of publicity that was more media. So that introduced me to a lot of Melbourne and national media, which was great then, like when you ask and people ask about, um, you know, what did the publicity, what does that background bring, bring to Bendigo Brittle? It just brought contacts, networks, people that I can call on down the track. 
and different role models. Like I still keep an eye on Mia Friedman, who's a good mate. Not that I speak to her a lot. Mia's out there and I just watch what she does and how brave she is sometimes in her comments and her opinions. I'm not that brave. But I do like I like that there are women around me and in, in that world that do put their, you know, opinions out there. It's not very nice sometimes watching the feedback that comes back and the way they get their heads kicked. But um, I really admire them for being so brave, brave and courageous and covering topics that just are not talked about. So that's my media world, and that was um, so that was ticking along. I, st- I stepped out of Channel Seven around 2000, started my own PR business. So that was good again, challenging. I'd work for Channel Seven. I was working 40, 50 hours a week for them, and they weren't paying me. I was just peanuts and I used to go to the manager every week and go this is all the publicity I'm getting for Channel 7 can I have a pay rise and they'd go no there's no more money in the budget Greta and I got so sick of hearing that and seeing everyone else around me getting promoted and I just thought no the day and I always sort of knew that I would spin off into my own having had the experience through the Sydney mob and then through work at Channel 7 it was sort of inevitable I think that I'd probably end up running my own PR business so I stepped out with a couple of accounts I was very lucky I had some great people around me I worked a lot with um, Buena Vista, so that was the DVD heyday oh. through Disney. So I did Lion King and all those big DVDs that came out, Pirates of the Caribbean, all of that. So um, knowing that DVDs and that was the bubble was going to burst, but in it was fun. And from a PR point of view, it was writing press releases, talking to media, sending the product out, hosting events. So it was a really good grounding it was and they were a big obviously Disney um, and so there was a lot of protocol and format so it was it was structured and I quite liked leaving Channel 7 and going to, and doing work they were one of my biggest clients to start with and then over the years I've picked up accounts like Red Bull which was fantastic giving me access to big concerts and Formula One and and then but um, and a lot like I, I don't know I just I worked with Ansel I worked with L'Oreal I worked with all the big brands like it was I was based in Melbourne the business kept growing I get I ended up with more and more staff and so it was heady and it was fun and the money was coming in and that allowed me to buy a property in South Melbourne and just keep the business ticking over but there were days where there was not much money in the account and bills had to be paid and that's where you learn to just tap dance and juggle and pay who you need to pay and keep things ticking over. So that was the PR. And then GFC hit. Ugh. And GFC what is that hit. these days with COVID? Do you know what oh, I mean? We've it was, it was, yeah. So GFC then, particularly PR and marketing, that's when um, they're always the first budgets to go. And so they all got screwed back. And you really were out there fighting to survive. You were competing against other agencies. And you really just had to be on 24-7 really exhausting and that's the thing with PR and media and at that same time with GFC then social media platforms start taking off and now then you're not only dealing with television radio print media but you're also dealing with influencers and you're dealing with the platforms you're posting clients expect you to be posting stuff and work so the work doubled tripled money didn't, didn't yep <laughs> and you're trying to employ more people on less so that's where i think there was also in a small business you know there's that um learning of of finance and business and how things work and you sort of learn pretty quickly <laughs> what doesn't work um and that and that was challenging when you sort of have had finally got your head around um dealing with print media radio and television to then have to deal with the platforms and that other side of with the internet taking off the way it had. So, yeah, so that brought me then to being a workaholic 24-7. And Bendigo Brittle (laughs) Brittle came out of one Christmas, must be seven or eight years ago, one Christmas I thought my family – because in, with PR and marketing, you always work up, particularly running your own business. You're hosting parties, you're doing Christmas events, you're looking after your clients. You get to the last week of Christmas and go, oh, shit, I haven't done any Christmas shopping. I've got to go and buy some food. I've got to go and do this. I've got to... And your Christmas is the last week just leading into the 25th. And so my family, it was a you know, running joke or just known that Greta would just bring the booze. 
because uh, my sister is a great cook, me is a great cook, and, and my mum and the, my aunties, and they're all, you know, they bake. They're country people. They're country women, so they know how to bake Christmas CWA cakes. CWA Yeah, yeah, Christmas yeah. puddings and all that sort of stuff. It's all, lunch is all the ham and it's all prepared and then Mia always does mince tarts and all that. She's very, you know, she's very organised with that, where it was always me. I was just like screaming down the colder on the last day before Christmas to get to Wedderburn or to Bendigo, where my family are for Christmas. And it was always, I'll just bring, the, you know, the champagne and the good booze uh, and the punch. I was good at the punch. But this one particular year going back, I thought, no, bugger it. I'm, I don't want to be just known for the booze. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to try and bake something. And I think it was because I had a few days leading. It might have been a weekend leading into the Christmas on the Monday. So maybe I had the Saturday and the Sunday. So I went out and I, um, I decided I was going to make shortbread and peanut brittle from a couple of old family recipes. And... I did it, and the, the peanut brittle was successful, but the shortbread fell yeah. apart. I apparently didn't put enough butter in my shortbread. <laughs> but that's how, yeah. So I went up with, I, I, and I gifted it to my um, my stepbrother and my dad and all the fa- different family members, and I, you know, put it in a nice little box with a ribbon and. And it went down a treat. They loved it. They couldn't believe it, actually. I surprised everyone, including myself, I must admit. And I, look, the thing with both the shortbread and the brittle, they were cathartic. I really quite – that was one thing that came out of that little exercise. It was just, I really like cooking. I really – I don't really do enough of it. Yeah, yep. It's a decompressing almost and you're not thinking about – well, you can't be on tech. You couldn't talk back. No. It's, and that's what I learned very quickly. Like, the brittle never talks back. No. You just have there stirring it <laughs> and for 20 minutes. It's just yeah. like this lovely, joyful silence. Yeah, it's got really low expectations yeah, of you. <laughs> so it was a treat and it worked and that was Christmas. I don't know. It must have been about 2015, 2014, 2015. I'm sort of losing track of time. But um, So that's how it first started. Yeah, wow. that was the start of it. And then now, well, how did you go then from that to actually commercialising it? Yeah, that was a little process and that took probably 12 months. But it was just family and friends. I just thought, this is good. I'll just take it and give it to people. So I was gifting it a lot. So birthdays, any sort of parties and stuff. And I think I went to um, uh, one of my good mates, Georgie Coughlin. Um, She had her, I think Georgie's 40th in Benelong? Benelong, no, Bunnyong. Bunnyong, up near Ballarat. Bloody freezing cold night. We were doing a BNS ball at the Bunnyong Town Hall. So that's, a, I think it's about 10, 15 minutes out of Ballarat. So they're just, they live there. And um, so Georgie and her good friend, Georgie's got some awesome mates, school friends. Like there's still a group of about 30 girls that from St. Anne's down in Warrnambool that all keep together. And amazing, amazing group of girls that um, really, um, when you stand back and watch it, it's quite phenomenal how... Um, joyful it is to see those women still celebrating from yeah Yeah. friendship that's what it is from their early days in in high school to being married to having their firstborns to then the kids all being connected and it's really great to be a part of it so one of her very good friends marty featherston marty had just finished a design course having another genius woman she'd she'd done teaching and parks and wildlife and then had just finished a design degree in ballarat and um, I was talking about the brittle, or I must have brought some, and they were all having a munch on it after the, the party. She said, this is really good. You should be selling it. And I said, well, yeah, I want to, and I probably could, but I just need some packaging. I don't know where to start. And she said, well, I've just done my design degree. I don't know where to start either. Let's do that together. So I went off and took some photographs. Seriously, I went and photographed all the landmarks around Bendigo and sent her the images and said, see what you can do. And she came back with that very first design is the very first design. That we're oh now my working gosh. with. Wow. Yeah. It just the OG and it's stuck. Yeah, it's stuck. Yeah. So the most universe, brands would Yeah. Go through a process. Exactly. But we both didn't know we, we, what we were doing, which, you know, now in hindsight, there's so many things wrong with our logo that um, I've got it now working with another girl who's who's pointed those <laughs> problems out. Um, apparently putting a symbol in a logo is very ten years ago. So but you, I didn't know at the time, and the it'll brand has a big. It will come back around, It will come back around in seven years' time. It'll be fashionable. So, but no. So we're yeah. So, Marty, um, gorgeous, just worked with me, um, and every time I had questions, she had some answers, and we just that's the two products. It was the two hundred gram with the magenta pink and the four hundred gram with the gold, and that's what we started with, and then. Um, we just, I just, uh, I had the commercial kitchen. Oh, no, I didn't. It was a home kitchen just in the centre of town in Bendigo. 
and I got council approval. So that was a little process in itself. Initially, I was looking, which I don't think people know, but I was looking down at the Epsom football ground down there. The council, I'd gone to them and said, have you got a facility or a venue or somewhere that we could cook? And they said, oh, yeah, we've got a kitchen, a commercial kitchen down there. Why don't you go and take a look at it? So I did go and take a look at it. And I thought, oh, you know, I suppose starting out, I could carry everything in and make and bag and pake and carry everything out. And, you know, when you're first starting, you don't know what you don't know. But I just thought, well, yeah, let's have a look at this. And then the second, and I think I went out three times and had a look at it. And each time there was sort of some drama each time I was there, like we were locked out one time and the keys didn't work. And then the, the final time I went out there, they had a mouse plague, which I suppose I don't want too many people to know about, but there was mouse poo in the kitchen. And I just thought, I'm sorry, but I'm not cooking in this kitchen. Not at all. That's not to my standards. No. My standards. And, and you shouldn't be to their standards no. either. But it was a mouse plague. And you know sometimes yes. there are things where you don't have control no, of. No, you don't. So, but at the same time, I was like, not. And I just said to them, can you come and have a look at my place in, in town? Like, I think it's cleaner and it's got everything. Like, going through all the paperwork and what the, what I need to tick off, everything's there. So, can you come and have a look at it? And so, of course, I spent you know, three days cleaning it for them to come and have a look at it. But it was it was a beautiful space and it was brand new. And the girl walked in and she went, oh, my goodness, approved. She said, if you saw what I have to see in some of the venues around Bendigo, and I and that, that was all she needed to say. So we got I got the approval to cook at home, which um, was kind of weird, but we just worked around it. Yeah. And um, – but it was always hygiene and to the highest levels. I just – knew that if with brittle if anything was to be found in the brittle that shouldn't have been in the brittle uh the business wouldn't have survived so really important from day one to set things up properly and i guess too when i did make the decision to go and sell that i didn't cut any corners and i knew i didn't i just did i wanted it to work i didn't want the little things to be the things that made me fail so i paid a lot of attention to the rules and the regulations and I went above and beyond. And I think that's me anyway. Like I just think that's in my personality. It's who I am. But is PR attention to detail though? Yes. So like that's how that comes yeah, into it I reckon. Yeah. And just mitigating for mm, problems. Yes. And when you run events you're always mitigating for problems or I was in my work. So I guess bringing that skill across to starting something up. And I always, when I sort of started, I thought, well, I'll give this a go and see how long it lasts. And in the back of my mind, I thought, well, if, if it does go down the track, I probably could sell it. Mm. And everyone wants to buy a business that's set up properly. Yep. And you can see everything from day one. And that, I guess, too, with the PR world, I sort of fell into it and I, it was just me and it was a different sort of skill set. And I didn't have to have the due diligence and the mitigation around setting that PR business up because it was me, basically, and what was going on in my head and my time and management of that. So a different skill set to setting up a commercial kitchen or a cooking business. But... Um, yeah, so I just approached it a little bit more differently, a bit more professionally, and then I just kept my eyes open and I just kept researching. Yeah. It's really interesting, and I think you can't cut corners with food. No. But most businesses, like some of the advice that you could give is, look, see what you have. Go with what you have and just keep reiterating, massaging and, and putting out a better version yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, and people kept saying to me when I first started from commercial, because for family and friends it was top everything, top butter, top peanuts, top everything. And then when I went and started to say I was going to make it and got the commercial, people were like, oh, you know, you're getting your peanuts from Aldi? Because, you know, I can see them, I see them out there and they're really cheap. It's like, no, nah, I'm not. No. For family and friends, I'm buying first-rate Australian peanuts. There is no way I'm going out to Aldi to buy Turkish peanuts at a cheaper price. It's just – it's not who I am. No. It's not how I want this business to be. I want to support local businesses. And so it was important, being the daughter of a dairy farmer, to be buying local milk, a butter, like as local as we could given the industry um, and the challenges that that has. But, yeah, so I, I didn't – that was from day one. I haven't compromised on the quality of what I put into the brittle. And you can taste it. You taste brittles that are made in a machine and made from ingredients that are, you know, sourced because they're cheap. 
versus the quality stuff that we're putting in. That The only thing I can't get locally is my rice malt. So that's grown in Pakistan, which I've got huge concerns now having the climate issue that's just happened and the catastrophe in Pakistan. But there are other parts of the world that do grow. It's rice malt's brown rice. So it's um, grown and then um, shipped here to Australia and there's the Pure Harvest guys are the ones in um, down near Gippsland. Um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the town, but they, they pack and, and ship it around. So it's got that Australian connection because there's another small business involved. So the raw product comes in, they um, pack it all up and ship it around. So Pure Harvest rice malt, which is really quality, yeah. organic. So that's good too. So that's the only thing we can't get locally. So everything else that's we find. It's incredible then. Yeah, I know. It really is. No gums, no glues, no pectins. Like when I keep turning product over and see all those yucky things, like our brittle's like four or five ingredients and a lot of hand work, a lot of wrist work. Yeah, yeah. That's it's delicious it. too. I Thank have you. to say, Thank last you. night we were actually eating some. Um, <laughs> I usually leave it in the office and I'll go in and grab a little bit and then come out. And I'm like, oh, I can't keep coming back because that's what happens. Yeah. And I know this, you can't crack a pack open. And just have one piece. So anyway, I go and I kept coming. I thought, nuts, stuff it. I'll bring it out to the lounge room. Yeah. Well, everyone, can we have one piece? One. Yeah. Don't even, just one. <laughs> and then I go for a second, can we have another bit? And I, again, I have a family How of long six. did it last? How oh, long did it last? Hardly at all. <laughs> and in the end, it's like, get your hands out of there. It's my brittle. Thank you. But that keeps us in business and that helps me employ more and more people. So I love hearing those stories. I love it because I just think, well, that's, you know, well, I have a product that people are not going to eat. So I love it so much. I actually send, um, so Samantha Wills. Yes. We had her in Bendigo. Thanks to her PR people um, at Allen and Unwin. I sent them a thank you package and it included the Bendigo Brittle. And then. And I got the message back and it said, this didn't go very far. It was phenomenal. Yep. And then as a result of that, I get an an e-commerce order through Shopify from Sydney and I go, how do we get that order? Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? We've never been to Sydney. Yeah. And it's amazing. And so that's what I'm really grateful for, that people do support what I do and those little generous – it is a good gift. Like I'm – even myself, like I love giving it to people and I am quite generous like that. My accountant always tells me off. I was like, well, I just – and also my Red Bull background tells me he used to – his marketing budget, the guy that started Red Bull, a third of it went in giving the product to people. And that's what I was employed to do. I used to give it to all the radio stations and got Dave Hughes there. At, he was at Nova at the time, got him addicted to Red Bull. So that was my job. Like he used to pay people to gift his product to people and that's how he, he built an empire. So I've always I'm, – I'm generous by nature anyway, but I also i am generous with the brittle because I know that it, I, it pays it forward. Like if I gift that to somebody and – and, and it's a nice thing to give to someone, you know, my couriers, my hairdresser, everyone around me. Um, and then they follow the journey. They're, they're part of my journey as well. So that is one thing I would say. If you can with whatever your product is, I know it's money that comes out of my pocket, but then think about the resale and what comes back to you because every day we are getting orders from all over Australia and I do wonder how that happens. And I know it's because other people, not just myself, are being generous. Yeah. It's it's really amazing, actually. Absolutely. Um, I love, I mean, even at the Elmore Field Days, that's where we've come off the back of this week. We've had the three days. Um, obviously, I had the, I bought some brittle from you to put in our gift yeah. bags, but I actually just gave it to those that bought a subscription and said, hey, by the way, there's a pack of brittle in there. It is best enjoyed with a cuppa and the mag. Like it just goes perfectly together. <laughs> it does together. go perfectly actually, which is, yes, it's a good collaboration. It is. And it, yes. again, it's nice to introduce that brand or yep. to have that opportunity for myself to be able to introduce another woman in business yep. to someone else and say, well, this Local. is what Oak's about. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It is good. Thank you. Are you always stressing and guessing when it comes to your social media marketing? Do you feel like your effort doesn't bring the results you need or you don't know how to check? Well, you need to check out my friend Mac and Ernie. Erica Mac and Ernie is a qualified marketing strategist with 25 years real experience, putting advertising, marketing and social media to work. She's focused on regional and rural businesses, teaching you the skills and confidence to develop strategy, measure results and keep that content machine running. For free tips, follow Mac and Ernie on social media or head to macandernie.com.au to find out more. Now back to the show.
In terms of setting up Bendigo Brittle, like looking back now, is there something that you would have done differently? That's a good question. Um, the one thing that always sort of pops into my mind when, with a question like that is um, the website was a big thing when I first started out. I always knew that in creating a website for Bendigo Brittle, it was going to be a challenge. And because I'm uh, I'm a control freak, so it had to look and had to have the look and the right feel. So I had to find the right person to do that, which eventually I did find find the right person to do that, and we built it. and And, and it served its purpose. I do need a new one because there's so many new apps and new things that you learn. Um, but the website, everyone, when I first went to the markets, have you got a website? Have you got a website? And then I'd get phone calls. Can, have you, you know, stuff about your website. Can I buy it on your website? And it's just like, I just kept putting it off because I just wasn't ready. And I just knew that it was a new complexity or another component of the business that I wasn't quite ready for. So, and I didn't have the money, to be honest. I didn't have the money at the time. So as a startup, I know a lot of people get the, get the pressure and they think that, the, you know, they've got to do business plans and they've got to do a website and... No, just start with a simple logo and a little bit of branding that you can use at different events and, and, and have on your letterhead and your social media. And I think too, social media has, there is, that now is a tool that you can use instead of a website, which I was. I did have Facebook and I, I'm on Instagram. And so the website, there was a lot of pressure from just the, the customer to have a website and other businesses, but it was just something that I just um, wasn't ready and I didn't have the energy or the time to give it, to give it the excellence and to have it at the level that I wanted it. So that came about during COVID. So in September, um, March, April, May, June, July, September is when I first launched the website. And that was well and truly three or three plus years into the business. Wow. So I'd managed I to- you operated Yeah, I know. For but so we, long but we did product. the markets and we did wholesale. Yeah. And- you know, when people were ringing saying, can we buy some brittle? I was like, yep. And I was delivering it to people. I'd drive it around yeah, to people, yeah. you know. I did that because I didn't have the website and it wasn't through Shopify. And, and that's how it. That's how I did it. So I think the pressure and the, finan the financial, it's something you can do without. It is something. And now you can do orders through Instagram and, and Facebook. And the young youngies out there are all across that. So I, I just, I guess for me and for us, Bendigo Brittle, I didn't, the website wasn't the main component in our marketing. Um, and I know a lot of people will come down on me for that. But that was just something that I just had to be ready for. Yeah. But then again, your standard is so high, Greta. Yeah. Like I can understand, yeah. you know, you're not just putting up any old photo. No. You're doing a full photo shoot with one of the best yeah. photographers in Bendigo. Um, you know, you're copywriting, you're branding. Like there is so much, like it looks stunning what you have now. Yeah. Um, and maybe I take that for granted because I can build my own site. Yes. And I've always invested in photography. It, yes. Yeah. It's not a skill that I have. I'm not, I mean, I understand technology when it's shown and explained to me. But then too, when you work on your own, you're a bit of an island. And I do have the young, the girls in and out of the team, but I've got a mix of ages. So some of us are across it and others aren't. So it's hilarious, you know, when the youngies come in and they just press that button and it just clicks something and it, and it changes. And, you, you know, you never knew that it could do that. <laughs> and you mean working around it and going two, three steps that way where there was just a button that you could press that goes this way. It's just, yeah. So I, I'm a sponge. I really enjoy sort of seeing how it works and, and using it more efficiently. But, um, yeah, building the sort of back end, the coding and that sort of thing, it's not my skill set. So I'm better off paying Investing, and putting yeah. the money aside and just – and that's what I do. I work to have those right – um, people around me to do that. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I've noticed about your website is the incredible stockist base. Yes. Now to get a stockist, yep. again, I come from that sort of with oak, that's what we need as well. Yep. Um, that isn't as easy as just calling someone up and saying, hey, I have a product, would love you to stock it. No, it's, it's not easy. It's a lot of work. Yes. And for us, we've been really lucky. It's been organic. Most of my stockers come to me direct. Oh, that's amazing. It is amazing, but... The hard work at my end is that I don't stop on the weekends. I'm at all the markets. So I get out and about and go to a lot of different locations, like Elmore Field Days this week, Castlemaine the week, Sunday, 
Heathcote Food and Wine Show Saturday and Sunday, where we never stop, we never sit still, we never, we're always going to new places down to Melbourne next week for the Finders Keepers Market, which is the first time we've got into oh, that. I which can't will be wait, huge. I can't, yes, I can't wait to hear about that. So, so we we are always even, and I'm prepared to travel, and I think that has helped my my stockers because the more you get out and about, the more you expose yourself to people, and that is the best marketing. So by just going to different places. So for you with Oak, just being at last this week at Elmore, you've exposed yourself to a whole new group of people and good things will come of that. So that was my sort of way of growing the stockists because then they see you and find you. And I've also learnt too, online there's a little bit of that SEO stuff. I, you know, I speak to different people and I ask them how they find out about us. A lot of the time it's through family and friends. They've seen us at a market or uh, they Googled us and we popped up. Yep. They, were looking for, they were looking for a peanut brittle to put into their different shop or their um, sweet arrangement or whatever. It can be a butcher, it can be a baker's, it can be, you know, all sorts of amazing places. Servos. Like Servos, yeah. Like I think that's yeah. a yeah, yeah, brilliant genius. idea to be in there. Yeah. Yep. It, it is a good traveller Well, in the car. It doesn't melt like chocolate. With the stockers, how do you look after them? Because, again, coming back to that PR background, I know that that's, you know, yep. something that you do. You really care for those, I do. you know, your customer yep. and your stockers. How do you look after them? So when people first approach me, um, I'm always quick to get back to them. Um, I, I have a questionnaire for my stockers because I've spent so many hours trying to find addresses Postal addresses, postcodes, like, you know, for God's sake, just put your postcode. If you say it's, you know, well, I mean, I know Sydney's postcode, but, you know, um, Forbes, just put the postcode. It saves me 30 seconds to have to try and find it. You know, little details. And that's my PR background. Um, but I put a little questionnaire. So who are you? Um, you know, what's your business? How long have you been operating? How would you find out about us? How do you place your orders? That sort of stuff. So it's a little questionnaire that I just ask them to fill out. And then I look at that and I work out and I do my research. I email, I, I Google, I get on their Facebook, I look around, I see who they are and what they do. And then I say to myself, well, if they think they can sell my brittle, who am I to stop them? And so then I've just got my different rules with just how we set up a stockist, a business account. So I've, my terms are seven days and um, I'm, not, I, I'm not really, um, and my accountant tells me I should be, but I trust people that if they approach me and we've filled out the questionnaire and then I've done a little bit of research on their business, I then go back to them and say, I'll send you some samples and I'll send you my wholesale information. Mm -hmm. And um, I put together, because I, you know, I am an old PR girl, uh, a beautiful pack. I gift them some brittle in a, a nice little box and I put a little ribbon and I make it look nice. And then in the information that I send to them is a covering letter. There's some press releases. There's my wholesale price list. There's my terms and conditions of business. And there's a little bit of publicity, some background. There's actually an Oak Magazine interview. Oh, my gosh. It's in the back of it. And I just put all that in a beautiful little package and I send it to them and I just blow their socks off. Nobody does that, right? Anyone and else listening, a, take notes. This is where we take notes. That's what they tell me. <laughs> Stunning presentation, beautiful product. We couldn't get enough of it. We ate it all within 24 hours. Here's our order. And that's how it works. And that sets the standard for the and we and to be honest, product, Kimberly, I don't have much contact with my stockers other than G'day Pam, how you going? Thanks for your order. I'll get that to you tomorrow. You know, like it's just and that's it. The relationship is they are my priority. They are my extension of my business. I respect what they do. They love us and respect us. And so it's just uh, once I've done that little initial bit of setting things up and working things out. Most, I would say 95% of them pay me within the seven days and it's just those annoying 5% that don't. But I've now got a policy that, you know, three strikes and you're out. Oh, absolutely. I've been, now that I am established, and that's one thing when you do get set up and you've been in business for a couple of years, if you've got somebody, a stockist that doesn't play ball, then you cut them off. Like, you're, and, and I then put it out to the universe, well, if that person doesn't pay that bill within this amount of time or when they put their next order in, it's just like, sorry, you haven't paid the last one, so you can't get this next one. Yeah, it is. And then you ask the universe for another lovely stockist and it's amazing. 
It answers. At the universe generally does. Yeah. The other thing that I love is that you've put all this information into your stockist kit, um, you know, to send to the stockist. And what then happens, I think, is that when they sell the product, they're yes. in a place to talk about. Absolutely. Oh, this Bendigo brittle Greta. It's actually from Greta in yeah. Bendigo and yep. da-da-da-da-da. She's got a little team. Yeah. People love a story they behind do. a product. And there's no bullshit with us. It, it's a genuine, like, it is the story's the story. Like, yeah. I haven't had to elab- elaborate on stuff. So it's original too. That's the other thing. And it's my story. Yeah. And they do like sharing it. And the thing about Bendigo too is we're really connected to It's like the Bendigo's like the Kevin Bacon. Oh, my gosh. I talk geography. about this all the time. Everyone knows everyone from Bendigo. There's yes. always a connection. There's like two degrees. It's amazing. Yep. At markets, and that's what I love about doing the markets as well. People always come up to me and there's always this one knows this one knows this one. And I love it. I love hearing those stories. And that Bendigo does, for a little town, we are a boom town. Like, really, we bat way above our weight. The people and the region, we really are really um, – What's the word? We're inspiring. We're motivated. We're, yeah, we're a really good mob. Mm. Just thinking about that as well and sort of off that stockist part, you've got Bendigo Brittle into some really big spots. So you are part of sort of Bendigo Tourism. I mean, they yep. they send to everyone and everywhere. Yeah, they do. I mean, yep. we've just had Elvis in the building for the yep. last few bits. Um, you met with Qantas. Yeah, we are. We're, we're actually talking to Qantas which is really well, amazing it is it's yeah but I that's mean, through the city of Greater Bendigo yeah. so the, my advice on that to people is connect to connect and just go out of your way to find out who is running the show yeah. and in Bendigo there's a really amazing big team um, and very early on I made sure the CEO the city of Greater Bendigo Craig knew who I was and knew what my product was so Craig actually did work in the Lodden show with my dad many years ago. So there was a, a loose connection there. But I actually went I went and had a cup of tea with him when I first started Bendigo Brittle. I knocked on his door and I said, I'm not mucking around. We're not going to be just a dinky little peanut brittle business. There's nothing dinky about us. I'm, I'm you know, I'm heading for the stars. And when you start talking like that, people buy into it and talk it up. Why not? And so Craig, I had him on board and then he obviously talks to his team in tourism and marketing and he said, do you know about this girl and what she's doing? So they start looking, they start following you, they turn up at the markets, you start putting names to faces and you start a collaboration with an awesome group of people that have got you front of mind. So that's really helped. Um, And, you know, I also, when those orders come in from the city of Greater Bendigo, from the tourists, you know, we pack those orders with care. We make sure that they're A grade, not that any of our stuff's not, but, you know, we really are mindful that that, that's going into the tourism mecca of Bendigo. And there's people from all over the world that come in and out of that building seven days a week, nine to five, except Christmas Day. And um, we know that when people buy that, they are taking that all over the place, all over Australia and some internationally. So because it does travel and we don't, we don't have problems with that. So, you know, just join the dots. You've got to go out and talk to people. It's yeah. the hardest thing to do for some. Yeah, but it's turning up. The, the really great thing is getting onto the council websites. There's so many free events. There's so many events. I've joined up to go to one in a couple of weeks here in Bendigo. Just it's a business. How to, a business events? Just how to attract people, tourists to whatever business event you're doing. And even though we're a little brittle business, like it's a loose connection. But I meet people in the room. It's good to put names to faces, which COVID shattered that for years. So just when there's little free events and gatherings, even briefings for White Night and things like that, we turn up because I like to see my colleagues, a lot of my stockists, the guys from the City of Greater Bendigo, the team. And it's just nice to have a cuppa. Because we do work in isolation, a lot of us. We've got our little our little groups, our little tribes, but it's nice to be a part of a bigger tribe. And that, But that's my PR background too. But I hate small talk as much as you do, Kimberly. <laughs> like, I hate it. I do. And as I get older, just it's not easy. No. But you do, and, you know, sometimes turning up to those things on your own, you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this. But once you get there and you've got a cup of tea and somebody comes and says, g'day, Greta, you're right. Yeah, and you leave on a high and you've made contact. Yeah, you're like, I'm really pleased I did that. Yep. So advice is, um, yeah, sign up or A, introduce yourself to your local council, um, especially the tourism part. Sign up to any memberships, any camp, like 
business councils in your area and business actually Victoria, go to these events? Business Victoria, like the, the government do do a lot of free webinars and seminars that I, I'm not really webinar. I've done a couple of webinars, but it's good to do the in-person seminars because sometimes I'll turn up to different things about online selling and just protecting yourself and different website things. And I'll turn up, there might only be five or six of us in the room and somebody's come from somewhere to talk to us but those five or six people you learn about their business and who they are and you support them so it's really nice and then they learn and they're like oh yeah we heard about we know you're brutal we know so it's nice to put a name to a face so so I would really encourage people to make that something each month to go and do two or three things if they can just to turn up and meet people and learn like it's really good to learn um and even though sometimes it might not be directly relevant to you, like I go to different things and there's a lot of the wine people at it and now I've ended up going to all the wine festivals out of it because candied nuts and wine goes really well together. Absolutely. Well, I just, yes. I argue, and I didn't, what doesn't it go well Well, with? that's this right. Is my thing. Well, the only thing, <laughs> orange juice, I think is the only thing my brittle doesn't go well with. That's what we worked out. But, it, yeah. So, so those sort of things. And when I first started, well, I've never thought to have done the wine events. It just wouldn't have been the wine festivals. But, but the wine festivals have been very lucrative for us. Like we make a lot of money when we go to those events. But we have to travel sometimes and, um, yeah, there's a bit of setting up. But um, it works really well for us. Now, next steps for Bendigo Brittle. Mm. You've introduced pistachio. Yes. You've got macadamia. Yes. I still think you've got almond. Mm-hmm. I actually really like the almond one. Mm. Uh, you have a new little mix yeah. coming in. Yes. Tell me about it. Yes. Hot chili. <laughs> I, I actually think it's brilliant. <laughs> well, I don't know why we didn't do it, but I just from the feedback at markets, it's interesting. What springs to mind when I first start talking about it is there were a lot of older Asian men that told me that peanut brittle goes really well with chili. There you go. It's like three or four people, men flashed before me at different markets, people that you would never have thought approach me and out of the corner of the, you know, they quietly telling me off to the side that that's what, you know, the chilli goes really well with peanut, with peanut brittle. And um, we started tinkering. I don't know, chilli, we actually, I don't know where it all came about, but it sort of started to come together. I can grow chilli. It's the only thing that grows in Bendigo. We've got the Mediterranean climate. The fruit fly get your eggplant and the tomato, but they don't touch your chilli. So you end up with this surplus of chilli and it grows from about, if you put the plants in around November, they grow um, a couple of feet and then you start getting the green chilli that starts going red. So it's the red, I think you say it, Canaan. I'm still having trouble getting my head around how do you actually say it? Canaan, Canaan. Uh, the red cayenne, which is, it does grow well in this region. And it changes colour from the green to the red through from December until about April and May. You're still getting the chilli on the plant. So that was just me as a little, you know, my veggie garden. And uh, my brother-in-law, David, loves chilli. So I would just, uh, you know, chop them up and send them up to him in Wedderburn. So he would enjoy the chilli. Um so we knew we could grow it. So that was sort of something that was like, what else can we... And also when you're going through COVID and you're having supply issues and also with all this terrible weather um, and the impact of fire and flood on crops, being in, you know very mindful that my nuts all come from most of them, we, we do get our almonds from the Sunraysia area. So I'm always mindful of the what's going on around Sunraysia. And, and there were problems then with the bees and the almonds. So you're sort of going, you're keeping your eye on the news and checking what's going on there, talking to the honey guys and their bees and, and learning how that the crops are going and what's happening. Because it might not affect you immediately, but two, 18 months, two years down the track, when the co-ops are down to their last few nuts, then you're going, well, where are we going to get our almonds from? So then we have the same with the with the other crops, with the peanut in particular. They are uh, hugely affected by flood up around Queensland in the Kingaroy area. And then that, they have started, though, growing the peanuts and the macadamias grow in New South Wales, um, up through New South Wales. So the impact of the water at the moment with the rain that we've had with this El Nino, we're just worried about um, how that's impacting the crops through there. And then sugarcane, our castor sugar that we use, the crops, I mean, they can deal with a, a bit of water, but, you know, you start reading and I, I do read, I listen a lot to the ABC and to the different um, rural, rural reports just on the farmers, just to see what, how everything is 
um, playing out. So you've always got to be forward planning and forecasting. So just keeping, and the one thing was during COVID, that's why I did launch the cashew and the almond because I thought, well, if I have trouble getting peanuts and macadamias, I need to have a business because a lot of people are relying on us. So it was to keep the money coming in and keep sales ticking over. So that's what, that's how, why those two products were, came about. And um, then the pistachio, again, that was, we found a local producer whose fire's just an hour north of Wedderburn with his 10,000 pistachio trees. And I mean, who knew? Until I started this, I didn't didn't know. No. And he's a local, um, Fi actually goes to the local farmer's market. So I just started up a conversation with him and he now supplies us with beautiful pistachios. And his sister, Hang, she hand, she hand, like shells them for oh us. Oh my gosh. Oh, no. That's incredible. Yeah. I thought there was a machine that would no, do that No, no, no. It's but... all hand done. And, I mean, it's more oh. expensive than saffron, truffles and, and lobster um, at $60 a kilo, pistachio, but it is locally grown by hand. It is oh. hand-shelled. And that's what you taste when you buy our brittle. Yeah. That's yep. what you taste. So the chili sort of came about. It's like always sort of thinking, thinking, thinking that if we can't get the almonds, if we can't get this, the only, the cashew is the only nut we don't grow. And I didn't know this either. We don't have a cashew industry in Australia. where The world's cashews come from around, I think it's uh, Vietnam and Thailand and in through that area. They have the right climate for cashews. And so as you're eating a cashew and putting it in your mouth, it just know that it's not local. We don't have an industry. And also the cashew, the flower on the tree gets blown off. It never fully, they have trouble with it fully seeding because of the cyclonic weather up north in that tropical nice climate that you'd think you'd be able to grow them. So there isn't a cashew industry, which is disappointing, um, but it is what it is. But we clean up when it comes to, we have the best peanuts in the world. We have macadamia indigenous to Australia. It does grow in Hawaii and South Africa, but it is, the crop is ours. We own it and we have the best macadamia nuts in the world. That is well known. And then, um, yeah, the Sunraysia almonds and the pistachio. So, yeah. It, the things you learn as you get on your I journey. I was sitting here, I'm like, oh I my know. gosh, you are a bank of knowledge. Fascinating. About this. And then, the, and then when it came to the chili, I had to do my homework because I thought, well, my little, you know, my mum and I, we, we can grow a few crops, but we're not going to be able to do the volume, I don't think, with, um, with, with just a plot of land in Spring Gully. Uh, so I, I sort of researched, and we went up to Queensland, and there's some big, big crops and farms up there, but they. Um, they would send you the whole chili, whereas we need the chili dried and then we need to blitz it so we have chili flakes. Mm, yeah. So that was then the challenge was um, how to uh, take the chili as it is and get the moisture out of it because they would only sell us the chili. So it's just like, well, then there's the freight costs of the chili versus a dried chili, which goes from, I think, about uh, 70 grams down to or something. So there was a lot to work out, but we've got there and we found a local business, which I'd actually written press releases for her a few years back. I mean, talk about the way the universe works. Um, but Red Dog Chili, lovely woman, Jude and her partner Neville, just outside of um, Wedderburn near in Fernihurst, which is in the Loddon Shire, they grow chilies and they grow jalapeno and the red, the red the cayenne, which is what we need. So she's dropped some samples in. We've done our testing in the kitchen. We've got a mild version and a hot version. She's going to, um, she's got some surplus stock there that we can use between now and Christmas. And then once she's putting in the plants and the crop for us, uh, and she's happy to do the wholesale arrangement and Amazing. And look at you supporting their business. Like yeah. that is a massive Yeah, we're you know, both really excited. And we both just oh, can't believe that you. it's kind of all to come together. And the chili brittle, it rocks. Like it really we've got the mild which has got a little slight, you know, a little bit of heat, and the hot one which is double the double the heat. And um I mean nobody's gonna um you know, pass out, but it's got enough <laughs> kick that the the ones that love chili are like, yeah, this is this is good. They're going to keep eating it, and you've got to be mindful too. Like, there's no point in having something that's inedible. You know, no. we're trying to just find that happy medium between people who like chili and they just like a little bit of numb lip, yep. and then people who don't mind their whole mouth or half their head being blown <laughs> off. So we're we're oh. almost there. So we're just working on the packaging. I'm just going to get my barcodes all sorted out, which is a whole nother world. And um, yeah, we're almost right to go. We should oh have it gosh. for Christmas. I love it. So in terms of process, how long has that taken, do you think? From initial thought bubble? To when it will be a on year. market. 
Wow, 12 months for a product. Mm. Mm. A year. Yep. And along the way, I've got my nutritional guy, I've got my designer, I've got the girls in the kitchen testing, family and friends testing. I'm checking, uh, you know, people are like, oh, you know, we just go down to South Melbourne Market and you can buy the chilies oh, in gosh. a big bag. And it's like, yeah, yeah but they yeah. come from India. Um, and I don't want to buy chili from India. No, I don't want to eat chili from, from India. India. No. no. So well, if I, just, I can, and I, yeah. knowing it's just down the road, That's for it. me, again, I it's know. that story that I'll have some or I'll share it yeah. with someone. I can yeah. tell them this story and about. And Judah, they're great people, yeah. you know, and they, they work really hard and, and they know what they're doing with their – she's had experience in America, so she understands. I think she was around Texas or someone, so she knows. She, she's, you know, she lived there for 20 years, so she comes back to Wedderburn or Fernihurst and the region and she puts her crops in knowing. Brings that knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that amazing? It is. Incredible. So, because I was like, who's a chili expert? Who can I talk to? Again, like, who do you talk to about putting chili in your brittle? Like, who knows? I don't know. I'm, and who, yeah. who even knows about the, and so I've researched the levels of heat and the different chilies that, you know, do we put green? And I just, I don't want green chili. Uh, and I also wanted a red label. So I wanted the red and the red and, you know, leading into Christmas, you join oh, a few dots. Gosh. So. And yeah. we call ourselves not creative coming from a PR media background, yeah. don't we? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And with the new Chili 2, we're launching a new a new logo. So I, I have taken the advice of some people around me just to say that the, you know, the mind poppet head in the logo is 10 years old. It was, yeah. So, Hold on to it again. 10 years later, you might re bring it up for a, you know, 20 year anniversary. Yeah. And but working with another local girl, a collaboration with a girl here, Stephanie Croft, who's got Studio Vaughn. <gasps> so Steph's oh my great. Gosh. Yeah. Steph Next is level. incredible. Yeah. Um, just knows more yeah. and has been around and has worked with packaging. And Big so, brands too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, and Marty and I like still great friends, great mates, still work with each other on, on certain things, but we both realised we needed somebody yeah. to take us to the, to next, the next level. level. Yep. And she's walked into, I, I, but I did my research and homework on finding that person as well. And Marty's now working. Um, she does Ballarat. She's teaching design at the uni in Ballarat. So she's great. So she's got a very busy life, two, two young daughters. So it was just my demands of her time were just getting more and more. And she couldn't actually work in with me just because there was a lot going on. Um, with her career. So that's great. It's, it and, is. But we've got that history together and I bloody love it. I love it. I could actually talk to you for so long. <laughs> I, I can't, I'm just sitting here. I feel like I'm in the presence of a celebrity. You've got oh, all really? Connect- yeah, I do. I oh, really do. No. Um, I'm going to ask two more questions to wind us up. Um, yep. The first one is about mentoring because um, mm. we've caught up every now and then uh, yep. just off the back of some other things and um, had mentioned mentoring. Yep. And even just sitting here, I'm, I'm learning stuff right now. Are you at that stage of your life or your business career where you want to give back now? I do. And I start, like, the older you get, and I don't have kids and I don't have a family that, you know, so, well, I do have family, but I just don't have children and a husband. Um, so I'm sort of starting to think a legacy, like just winning that award made me realise, what do I, what's my footprint, what do I leave? And Bendigo Brittle will be around for a long time. Like, I hopefully some, a family member or once I... I you know, I really want it to be, and I've set it up to be a business that doesn't die when I do. Mm-hmm. So I want it to kick on. And, and I'm think, I do, those thoughts do go through my mind. I do a lot of driving. I went to Sydney last week, so it was eight hours up and eight hours back. So I'm in the car a lot in my own head. So it's just like, so what do I, what do I want to do? What's this life all about? How have I ended up here? You know, it's just bizarre that I run a little peanut brittle business. Like it's just never where I thought I'd be, but I love it. I do love what I do. And I just think to, I have got a lot of experience. I've had a really interesting life. I've worked in a lot of, I've traveled a lot. I, you know, I do, and I don't get to pass it on to my kids, you know, so, but I, I've got a niece and nephew that I adore and they get a lot of my uh, ear bashing. Uh, and, you know, they hear a lot about what goes on as do the girls in the office, just about where I've been and what I've done. So hopefully little things like, you know, so much about car tire pressure, you know, like when you've got a van, nobody tells you about van tire pressure. No, and now I feel like we need to talk about that. Well, online. seriously, do there's so many know? things that men, and I'm not, seriously, I'm not one of these, I'm not a, a bra burning feminist, but there are a lot of things that I think men keep secret because it means then that women don't rule the world. Yeah, Mechanics, yeah. for example, they oh. keep a lot of things secret from us, which are simple bloody things like how much pressure you put in your tires in your van. And once you know that, you can, you know, they're like, they're like, you know that? I was like, yeah, I do know that. Same as LED light. You know, there was this whole thing about LED lighting. 
and simple things like amps and watts, you know, to do with electricity, about how much comes off the grid into your kitchen and into your house. Little things that men, like an like electrician, Sparky, they like keeping that secret. Yeah, yeah. So because they don't really want women to know too much about that sort of stuff. So when I learn about that stuff, which I've, I've had to do in the business, I share it with the girls all the time. And I keep saying to them, every girl needs to know how to drive a van because yeah. it will change your life. It will. It changes your life driving a van, doesn't I it? I love it. Me too. Yep. I should have done it years empowered. ago. Yeah, oh, same here. You're safe. You're up high. You've, yep. just, you've just got to learn to drive something a bit longer than a mm. car. And that's not hard because blokes doing it every day. Yep. So little things like that. So the girls are getting some van training. Like I've just, that's a thing that I'm going to make yeah. sure that whoever comes in my door learns yeah. to drive a van because it just opens the door. You, you, you don't get passed up from a young bloke because you're like, no, I can drive a van. Exactly. I've little things said in like a that. Podcast before I can, you know, reverse a trailer, like, yep. and that's coming up on a farm. Yep. You know, Pa always saying, "Yep, well, you can do the trailer. You're short. Yep, you'll be fine." And a tandem trailer at that. Yep, it's little things, people and it's giving you the opportunity, yeah, that opportunity, and just saying, yep. if they can do it, you can do it. Come oh, on, exactly. Like you can see who's driving those trucks and those vans. If they're doing that, you can be doing I it. I can out reverse my yeah. husband. Yes, yeah, yeah me I'm very too. Proud of that. Me too. I'm good. I'm <laughs> touch wood. I haven't hit anything yet. No. But um, so little things like that, yeah, you. are really important that I think that you just – and with the mentoring, um, I am ready. I've just got to get through an, another stage of um, growth within the business, which possibly means finding a new premises and setting us up probably a little bit more as a commercial kitchen. But, I, I you know, I've got the, my accountant telling me, you need a big, big factory and you need – but I hate the thought of my girls and I cooking – in a building without windows, you know, like I need light and air and that's where I'll take my different, whereas a, somebody else running a, you know, a, would probably just go out to the factory and that wouldn't Put even be a, a thought. Yeah. yeah, they wouldn't even think about that. Whereas for me, it's very much about just getting the light and the ambience and the whole feel of the place right. So that's another step for us. And then I'll be able to, once that's just up and running, which I th- that's probably another year or 18 months away, I just think we'll, um, I'll have a little bit more time to help and, and mentor women because I've got, yeah, I, I do know things. Oh, absolutely. My gosh. I do know things. You yeah. do. You know a lot. Um, and I think, as you said, it's the connections. It's the network. Yep. And I really do think that's so important for any women is just to build our network. Yep. You know, connect with people. But in person too, Kimberly. Yeah. That's my big thing. I get a lot of people that ask me questions and email me and I just I find it a bit rude when somebody just logs yeah. an email into your inbox yes. without you knowing them. Um, but if they make an effort and come and say g'day to me at a market um, or just even that phone call is a bit different to a, an email, just and there's a way of asking for something there that is. you don't that rile somebody who's working and is a bit tired and grumpy. Absolutely. And remembering that that person is a small independent business yes. as well. Yes, yeah. You know, you are. You're still working that 24-7. And- yeah. And the other thing, people also ask me obvious questions all the time, like where I get my packaging. It's like just Google it. Yeah, and try just and Google test it. it don't don't take my idea. Like, and it's not it's not that original. Just just go and work out what your product is and whether it needs windows or whether it needs to be, you know, in a box or a tin or a bag. Just do your homework and what you think is, and ask friends and family. Do that sort of. That's the best. The pub test. The friends and family is the best way of working. It's like the chili brittle. We've just gone and I'll, okay. I'll, now that I'm scaling it up a little bit, I'll drop it into the stockists and just yeah. see what they all think. Um, yeah. So you just got to ask people, but in the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Use Great your advice. own networks as opposed to trying to steal somebody else's. I guess. Yes. Yes. Love it. To wrap us up, favourite question always, but I feel like you've name dropped quite a bit um, anyway, but can you tell me about a friend of yours that we need to know about? Yes, I can. She's a friend that I don't see very often because we're both very busy and I actually met her, I think, within the first couple of weeks of me relocating back to Bendigo from Melbourne and that's Sonia Anthony. Sonia and her husband, Nick, run Mason's, which is the one-hatted restaurant here in Bendigo, which is just awesome, delicious, really brilliant. They're so uh, knowledgeable when it comes to the food, local food, the industry, so supportive. They have a little team of people that they employ that I know is challenging challenging for them, but they are really good to their staff and they work hard to pass on what they know. And she's just, Sonia's incredible. She's just such a great 
I mean, I call her a mentor, not that we've had like serious chats about mentoring, but she just, she's got answers to questions when I, she's someone I do call and have a chat about, about different things that are going on um, in my world and even just check in with hers. And there's, yeah, she's had a lot of challenges over the last few years, Sonia, and she just, she's amazingly resilient and just a great girl. She's just got a really great attitude to life. So Sonia Anthony is someone, yeah, um, that people just, Google her, just look up, support what she does. And if you do, um, when you come to Bendigo, make sure you book in and support Nick and Sonia and the, and the team in there at the restaurant. It's not expensive. Everyone goes on about one-hatted restaurants being expensive. It's not expensive. It's a lovely experience. They provide a really lovely experience. And his few, food and the way he plates it up, it's just... Oh, it's, it's Insta-worthy. Yeah. Yeah, we've and been you just and want to lick desserts the plate. are delicious. Oh, all of it. <laughs> They're almost too pretty to eat. but um, That's it. Yeah. It's, it's art on a plate, but that's not in a wanky way either. That's no. just the way they put it together. Yeah. And as you said, Sonia's done amazing things for Bendigo tourism, I think, she to says put us on the map. She never stops. She no. never stops. Like you see it, what, what, the course of a week, there's so many things that she does. She's just yeah. incredible. She is. We need to get Sonia on the podcast. You do. Well... Thank you so much. I, I really could just sit here and listen to you and your stories. Um, they're really incredible and I, I love some little tips that I've been able to take away to wow um, stockists as yeah. well. Like yeah. I, I feel really passionate about that as nurturing that relationship yeah. because, yeah, they are doing such an important thing. And you, know. and you don't know what you don't know. So mm. and, and I've spoken to other um different uh, colleagues along the way. I know one comes to mind is uh, Sarah from Windella Farm. I had a chat to her about Stockers because she's like, how do you do it? She's like, I don't know what I'm doing. She said, you've got a PR background. You know how it all works. And it's like, well, to be honest, I didn't know how to, but I do know how to tie a ribbon and a bow. That's one thing that (laughs) PR did teach me to do because there was a lot of gifts and packs and different things that I, over the years, I've sent out that many things um, to journos. So I do know that part of it. Um, I also know you don't need to invest too much money in it, but just be generous with your stock. Like you just want to wow people. And then once you've wowed them, you've got them on board for life. Like this is it. They just keep, my stock is just order and order and, and their orders grow. And that's the lovely thing about working and just being a little bit generous in the beginning. It You do, it does, you reap the rewards. Um, look, even my husband, I must say, I like I don't advertise per se. And he keeps saying, me, you need to advertise. And then yep. he said, why don't you just do an extra print run? Like add some extra copies onto your print run and, and use those as your advertising. Yes. Like yep. you actually need to yes. work smart. And this is coming from someone that has no business background, but is obviously... But it's good just listening to, you know, and the fact that people do pipe up and have those suggestions and recommendations, it's nice. Like, they're not always on song, but (laughs) at the same time, there is always one that sticks with you. There is. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate your time all the time and... um, Bloody love the brittle, and I am very, very lucky to be gifted uh, the chili. So I will be trying well, you that. Let me know how hot and mild which one you like. But no. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Really good to talk to you, and congratulations on your win as well. It's really we're all very proud of you. Oh, thank you. Congratulations to you too. I know we um, spoke that we need to do more about how hard it is to share our stories, isn't yeah. it? Even yeah. though we work in media, it doesn't mean we're actually comfortable sharing. No, else. no. Exactly. We have to do it. Thanks, Greta. Thanks. Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions, we'd like to celebrate a win. You can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine. <laughs>